Well, we live in a world that asks us to make decisions every single day. There's a myriad of decisions and choices that we have to make every day. Are you a Mac person or are you a PC kind of person? Are you an iPhone person or are you an Android person? What's your phone provider? Is it Verizon? Is it AT&T? Is it Union? What is it? Hey, are you the person that takes Spotify and looks at Spot uh, and uses Spotify for music, or are you a Pandora person? Are you a Netflix person, or are you Amazon Prime because you get gifts and movies? So who are you? Choices every single day that we're asked to make. Who are you going to hang around with? Who are you going to choose to work with? Who are you going to work at developing closer relationships with? Where are you going to eat tonight? It's been a hard day at work, and, and the two of you or the sink by yourself, you're like, where do I eat tonight? And so there's a myriad of choices to make. And you can't quite decide where to go, but you have to choose, because if you don't, then you're going to end up at home opening up the refrigerator, and it's going to be empty, and then you're going to have to choose to go to one of the grocery stores and get some food and make some, ch- and make some food. And, and so... Every single day, we are bombarded with choices. We're, there are so many opinions in the world today, um, that, and so many choices in, in our world today, that, that uh, we would think that because we have so many choices, it makes it easier. But the reality is, it makes it more difficult because of all the choices we have. You think to yourself... If I make this choice and I choose to go here, then I'm going to miss out on this opportunity. And so what do I do about that? You walk down the grocery aisle. And I remember coming back from the foreign field, coming back from the international, doing as an international worker and coming into one of the grocery stores. And I turned the aisle and the whole aisle on both sides were cereal. And I'm going, what in the world? How many different choices can we have for cereal? I mean, it's nuts out there. It's not just Cheerios and Corn Flakes and Rice Krispies anymore, but it's that plus Post and everything else. I guess because we're a postmodern nation. I don't know. But anyways, so there's tons and tons of cereals, and that just makes it even, even worse. We try to figure out what is going to be the best option for us. I have a cousin. And I remember uh, inviting him to a New Year's Eve party, and he wouldn't commit. And I said, Eddie, why won't you commit? And he goes, because if I say yes to you, I might miss a better party. So I'm waiting out till the last minute, and then the best and biggest party is the one I'm going to go to. <laughs> we have become a nation that, that is, fear, uh, is fearful of commitment. We have become very uncommitted people. Fear of commitment goes beyond choices and products or what we eat or which party we're committed to. Sometimes it sounds like this. I love Jesus and all, and I want to follow him, but I'm a follower of Christ, but I'm not sure it's all what it's supposed to be. You know, I have a background of things in my past and And there's stuff that I'm even struggling with today. And I'm not sure I'm ready to be all in for God. 
I want to be all in, but I have some real doubts if this is the life that I really, really want. You know, I'm still young, and, and if I'm all in for Jesus, I mean, that means that I'm going to miss out on part of my life. And there's a lot of things I still want to do. I'm only 50 years old, and there's a whole lot more living to be done. There's things that I want to explore. But guess what? I'll be all in when I'm completely gray-haired. I'll be all in when I'm retired. That's when I'll be all in. If I'm all in, I might lose friends. I might lose the approval of people. And if I'm all in right now, the people I'm hanging out with, I might not be able to hang out with them anymore. The problem of commitment and committing totally to God has been around a long time. In fact, it's been a problem with people from the very beginning. God's always been a God who will not leave us. He's always speaking to his people honestly, calling them back to a place of commitment to him. Not of fearing a commitment to God, but he's always there showing up, asking us to be all in. And this morning we're going to take a look at a story that, that is familiar to all of us and probably one of my most favorite stories. I know it's Marissa's most favorite story. I heard her reciting it this morning. And it's a story about the prophet Elijah and how he's calling me and he's calling you and he's calling us to be all in. Let's take a look at 1 Corinthians, uh, 1 Kings chapter 18, verses 20 to 21. This is what we read. So Ahab sent to all the people of Israel and gathered the prophets together at Mount Carmel. And Elijah came near to all the people and said, How long will you go limping between two opinions? If, if the Lord is God, follow him. But if Baal, then follow him. And the people did not answer him a word. Limping around between two different opinions. And so what we see here is Elijah's calling, uh, calling us out and he's asking us to make a choice. He's asking the, the children of Israel to make a choice. If God is God, then choose him. And he says to us that this morning, right now is the, ch- is the time to make that decision. And we've, if we believe that God is God, that Jesus is the Savior of the world, it's time to choose To go all in, no matter what the cost. And then Elijah says something amazing. He says, but if Baal is God, then follow him. Don't go limping around trying to decide who you'll serve. You can't stay in the middle. You have to make a choice. What's really being said is that the choices need to be made now, and the choice needs to be made between God or the world. It is an all or nothing thing. And that's what Elijah is talking about. Our text this morning from 1 Kings chapter 18, I'd like to give us some background about it. The children of Israel had been led away from worshiping God by King Ahab. The scripture tells us two chapters previously before this passage that Ahab was the worst king in, in the history of Israel. He had done so much wickedness that God's anger burned against him. 
It was through Ahab that the worship of Baal and Asherite was brought into the kingdom of Israel. Ahab's wife Jezebel was the impetus for this, was what really brought it into the, into the people of Israel because Jezebel was from a foreign nation and she brought the worship of Baal and Asherah into, into the people of Israel. And it had gotten such a hold on, on the people of Israel that Jezebel attempted to kill off all of the prophets of the people of Israel. Obadiah, a good man in, the, in, in service for King Ahab, heard about Jezebel wanting to kill all the prophets, and so he took a hundred prophets of Israel and he hid them in caves, 50 and 50. And he didn't get all of them, and so most of them, all the rest of them were killed except for one, Elijah. And Scripture tells us Ahab did more evil than any other king. And that's saying something, because in, in chapter 16 of 1 Kings, we, we, we see where the Scripture talks about Omar. And it said, Omar did what was evil in the sight of the Lord more than the kings before him. And Omar was Ahab's dad. And so here it is. Ahab one-ups his father, and he has taken the people of Israel and led them down a path of total and complete destruction. Ahab led the nation into the worst kind of rebellion, the worship of false gods. Baal was the god of rain and fertility, and prostitution and child sacrifice was common among the Israelites. An attempt to please Baal and an attempt to get rain. Ahab didn't like Elijah. In fact, Ahab honestly would try and love to kill Elijah. But each time he tried to, God spared Elijah and took him away. And Ahab hated Elijah because every time Elijah came in from a foreign trip, he always had something to say to to Ahab. And what he had to say was from God. And Ahab didn't like it. And Ahab didn't want to obey. And Ahab didn't want to follow. In fact, all Ahab wanted to do was kill and shut Elijah up because as soon as he could do that, then he could go on worshiping Baal and the, and, and the Asherites. And so in 1 Kings chapter 18, verse 17 through 19, we read, When Ahab saw Elijah, Ahab said to him, Is it you, you troubler of Israel? And he, Elijah, answered, I have not troubled Israel, but you have, you and your household, because you have abandoned the commandments of the Lord and followed Baals. Now therefore send and gather all Israel to meet, to, to meet at Mount Carmel. And the 450 prophets of Baal and the 400 prophets of Asherah who eat at Jezebel's table. You see, Jezebel was supporting 850 false prophets. And she was the wife of Ahab. And Ahab turned his head and let it go on under his, uh, in his household. And what we, well, I, lo- I love this part because Ahab looks at Eli- Ahab says this, oh, is that you troublemaker? And Elijah looks at, back at him and says, I'm not the troublemaker. It's you and your household and your father. It started with your father, and now it's even worse today, and you are the troublemaker. But here's the deal. No matter how bad your dad was, and no matter how bad you are, what we're going to do is, 
is because you've brought this trouble on Israel, I want you to call your 850 prophets up to Mount Carmel. And today, we are going to see who the King of kings and Lord of lords is. And so Ahab takes up the challenge. And I can just imagine he's thinking uh, about how terrible and how big of a troublemaker Elijah is. And he's thinking, good. And he's rubbing his hands together. Look, I'm just going to take 400, 450 prophets up there. I don't, I don't need them all. And uh, we're going we're gonna to settle this score. And, and when Baal answers, then, then we're going to kill Elijah because we're going to have so, so many of us there. Elijah says to the people of Israel at that point, no lump, limping around between two opinions. You have to choose today who you'll serve. And so, as we had read earlier in, in uh, chapter 18, verse 20 and 21, Elijah's saying, are you all in? Today is the day to make a decision. Are you all in or not? It's either all for God or all for Baal. The people had a very interesting response, the scripture says. And the people did not answer him a word. A challenge has been made, and the people didn't answer him the word. I could just imagine that people are going, oh no, it's Elijah again, and he's a prophet of God, and something crazy is getting ready to happen. It's like, oh no, here we go again. The last time Elijah showed up on the scene, he said it was going to be three years of no rain, and we've been in the worst drought that we ever have had. In fact, not only has it not rained, but the scripture says there was no dew on the ground. We're talking parched. And now Elijah throws up a challenge, and he says, all right, we're going to meet up on, on a mountain, and we're going to see who, who is God. And so the people are going, oh no, what kind of crazy is going to happen today? It's already bad enough. What's Elijah up to? Verses 20 through 24. Then Elijah said to the people, I, even I, only am left a prophet of the Lord. Now, the reality is, Elijah was the only prophet on the mountain, but there were a hundred other prophets that were hidden away. And so at this point, there were 450 men who were false prophets, and Elijah was the only one among them. So he says, I even I only am left a prophet of the Lord. But Baal's prophets are more than 450. Let two bulls be given to us, and let them choose one bull for themselves, and cut it into pieces, and lay it on the wood, but put no fire to it. And I'll prepare another bull and lay it on the wood, and put no fire to it. And you call upon the, God, the name of your God, and I will call upon the name of the Lord, the God who answers by fire. He is God. And now this time the people said, and all the people answered, it is well spoken. So Elijah sets up a challenge. He's saying, no more games. This is how it's going to be settled. And he tells the prophets of Baal, 450, he says, you go get your bullock. We got two bulls here. You choose which one you want. It doesn't matter to me. You choose which one you want. You choose it. You take it. You prepare the sacrifice. You get it ready. You do what you need to do. 
And we'll sit and wait and see what's going on. And, and how, what we're going to do is, when the God who answers by fire consumes the sacrifice, then that'll be the sign that he and he alone is God. Because there's no, there's no more wobbling around, no more trying to figure out what to do. And he says, now you're 450, so you guys go ahead. And everybody agreed. That's a great plan. Well said, they said. And so in, in, in chapter 18, verse 26 to 39, this is what we read. And they took the bull that was given them, and this is talking about the priest, uh, the prophets of Baal, and they prepared it and called upon the name of Baal from morning until noon, saying, O Baal, answer us. But there was no voice, and no one answered. And they limped around the altar that they had made. I don't know, limped around the altar. I guess they were, I, I, I saw some uh, different translations translated differently, but they were kind of limping around the altar trying to get uh, Baal's attention. And they limped around the altar that they had made. And at noon, Elijah mocked them crying, mocked them saying, cry aloud for he is, he is, for he is a God. For is he a God? Either he, is, either he is musing or he's relieving himself or he's on a long journey or perhaps he's asleep and must be awakened. So Elijah's just like mocking them, mocking them big time. And, and I was going to call Marissa up here because she did a really good job uh, this morning when she was talking to us about it. And, uh, and, and they're crying out loud and, and they're even going so far as to, to cut themselves. And it says, they cried aloud and cut themselves after their custom with swords and lances until the blood gushed out upon them. And at mid, as midday passed, they, rev, they rivaled until the time of the offering of oblation. The time of offering of oblation was the time of sacrifice. But there was no voice, no answer, no one paid attention. So we see that these prophets of Baal were singing and dancing and, and crying out and screaming and hollering. They went so far as to cut themselves with swords and, and lances so that they were totally covered with blood trying to get the attention of their God. They did everything they knew to get their God's attention. And the scripture says, but there was no voice. There was no answer. Now, at this point, we're all thinking, okay, we are people of the 20th century. Let's get real. This is a great story, and those people don't, didn't have the understanding that we do because we're more sophisticated, and so we're, we are so much more advanced than them. I mean, after all, who is going to worship a god like Baal? We're talking child sacrifice? Are you nuts? We say we're much smarter than those people. We would never be involved in anything like that. And we begun to judge the prophets of Baal. Before we go too far, let's take a look at this story a little longer. You think, this story doesn't have anything to do with me and my life today. But the reality is we're not much different from the prophets of Baal. 
We've not moved so far away from them. What we do is not much different. It just looks different. Even in the fact of child sacrifice, we're involved in that today. It's called abortion. And it's rampant in our country. Because we're worshiping a false god, the god of me. Yes, we're not cutting ourselves in worship of a false god, but we're tempted every day to give ourselves to a thousand other things and a thousand other gods. Our minds are given over. Our hearts are given over. Our strengths are given over. Our attention is given over to a thousand different things and not given to God. Believing that these things will make us much happier, much more fulfilled, more, more content in our life than God could ever make. Making us feel safer and satisfier, satisfied more than God ever could. After all, we can't see him. We have to make it, make it all happen on our own. Let's think about this a little bit. And I'm not picking on single people, but let's talk about that. So we're young and we're single. And this guy or this girl gets our attention and, and we start spending time around them. And then we kind of make a commitment and we go on a couple dates and, and we really like them an awful lot. And as we share our thoughts and ideas and we become closer and closer and we're like, this person really likes me and I'm beginning to really like them. We go into areas that we should never go into. We let our standards down sexually. And God says one thing, and because of our desire to keep this particular person, we give in and do exactly what God says. God says no sex before marriage. And we think, oh, it's okay just one time. And now we are no longer worshiping God, but we're worshiping ourselves. You see how quickly it happens? We want approval from, from this person. Okay, so it's not just singles, but it's marrieds too. It happens at the office. Had a rough day. Things aren't going well at home. And someone pays a little more attention. And the next thing you know, you go out for a meal. It's just a business meal is all it is. And the business meal leads to a business trip. And the business trip leads to adultery. It happens so quick. It happens so quick. In the workplace, we laugh at off-cover jokes. We laugh when other people are ridiculed. You see how fast it goes? We're seeking the approval of man. We want so desperately to be in relationships, and so we'll do whatever it takes whatever we need so that we can feel better and that others can like us. There's this thing called Facebook, another thing called Instagram, and there's even Twitter. And we creep around on Facebook, Instagram, and look at Twitter. And we're trying to find out, did we post the best post and how many smiles do we get and how many thumbs up do we get and how many likes do we get and what are the comments people are saying about me? Me. Me. I feel so good because everybody loves me. 
Is it all me, 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 me? And God is not in the picture with me? Worship of self. So we go around limping around, just like the prophets of Baal, limping around the altar of me, the altar of self-approval. We're not much different than they are. Okay, so, it's not about self-approval that you're worried about, but it's about power and control. You don't care what other people think about you as long as you're at the top of your game and as long as you are in control. And so you'll do whatever it takes in sales to be the number one salesperson. Nothing wrong with being a good number one salesperson. But you cave in and you do things that you know you shouldn't do. There was a time when April and I had returned from the field and, and um, uh, April had been sick and we spent some time out of ministry and so I got involved in, in sales and I sold uh, farm equipment. Actually, it wasn't, it wasn't ag equipment. It was more like uh, sod harvesting and installing equipment. And there was a small startup company called KNW. And we were like a little tiny company. And I remember when they brought me on, it was three of us, the two owners, and they were looking for someone to come and do sales. And they talked to me and said, do you think you could do it? And I said, sure. With God's help, I'll do it. These two guys were Christ followers. Uh, they had come from another country, the co- company that was a huge company, one of the leading companies in the industry called WMI. And we sat down and I said, guys, um, I'll, I'll come along and do this uh, on, one, on one condition, that you don't ask me to do something that's against what God would have us to do as a company. We prayed together. We prayed often together. Well, there was Trey Bro. Kismac, Brower, uh, Magnum, at WMI, and little K&W products. And I remember getting on the phone and talking to people. We would go to these shows all around the country, and I watched as the other salesmen would take their farmer clients, get them up to the bar, get them good and drunk, slide a contract up. The guy would sign it. His name was on the line, and then the pressure would start. And he had, just, he had just gone in further than he was supposed to go. And it was tempting for me. I was like, they're getting so many more sales than we are. And here we are, a little company, and what do we need to do? And I remember sitting down with Marty and, and Clark, and we prayed, and we made a decision that we weren't going to take clients to the bar. We weren't going to liquor them up. But we were going to talk to clients at the booth and do the best we could to, to sell this equipment in a God-honoring and God-glorifying way. We even had a chance to pray with numerous farmers whose, whose family situations were not good. And you know what happened? I remember about two years after we were into it, I looked at Marty and I said, WMI, one day K&W is going to own WMI. I firmly believe it. And two years later, when April and I went back to Indonesia to be involved in ministry there, KNW took over WMI. You know why it was? Is because these guys were all in. And they decided that they weren't going to be waffling around. They had decided who they were going to follow. They were going to follow God Almighty. 
The interesting thing is that we try all these things to make ourselves happy so that we're accepted by people, so that we're number one, so that we're at the top of the food chain, so that we're in power and we're in control. And at the end of the day, what we hear is exactly what we hear in verse 29 as far as trying to fulfill our own needs and our own satisfactions and our own own approvals. There was no voice and there was no answer. We've struggled to get everything we can and yet we don't hear an answer and we don't hear a voice. In 1 Kings chapter 18, verse 30-35, through 35, it says, Then Elijah said to the people, Come near to me. And all the people came near to him. And he repaired the altar of the Lord that had been thrown down. And, God, and, it, and Elijah took twelve stones according to the number of the tribes of the sons of Jacob, to whom the, Lord, the word of the Lord came, saying, Israel shall be your name. And with the stones, he built an altar in the name of the Lord. And he made a trench around the altar as great as would contain two sheaths of seeds. And he put wood in order and cut the bull in pieces and laid it on the wood. And he said, fill four jars with water and pour it on the burnt offering and on the wood. And he said, do it a second time. And he said, do it a third time. And they did it a third time, and the water ran, ran around the altar and filled the trenches with water. Amazing. I love that part of the story. I love it because I, I'm thinking to myself, Elijah's going, I know the God I serve. He can light dry wood. But you know what? I want to show these people that it's even greater than that. He can... Light wet wood too. You know, and I, I've heard some preachers say, you, you, you might be out there and your wood might be wet, but God can still fall on fire, fall with fire and light your wood. And that's the God we serve. And so this is an amazing thing. He takes 12 stones. The 12 stones represent each of the tribes of Israel. And he's saying it's not just for the divided kingdom, but this is for all of my people. I'm building this because God is God over all of them. Not just one part of them, but all of them. And he's saying to us, God is God over all of us. Not just this part of the sanctuary and this part of the sanctuary gets left out. But all of us. That's what he's saying. So he calls the guys together and I need four volunteers and four volunteers get, get together and says, go get four jars and run down to the brook and bring the water back and pour it on, and they do it. And he said, okay, now again, now again. And they do it three times. The water's running everywhere. And I know he's having fun, Elijah, at this point. He's thinking to himself, God is God. God is God. God is God and Lord over all. And I can't wait till God answers prayer. He knows that God can start wet wood on fire. And by this time, I'm sure the people are so tired because they've been there all day and they've been waiting for an answer for some God in the hot sun. I can only imagine the aroma that's going around because have you smelled blood? It's not really pleasant. 
Have you smelt body sweat? It's not very pleasant. And the people are going, is that me? I think it's that prophet of Baal over there. And so it comes time. And Scripture says in verse 36 through 39, And at that time the offering of the oblation, Elijah the prophet came near and said, O Lord, God of Abraham, Isaac, and Israel, let it be known this day that you are God in Israel, and that I am your servant, and that I have done all these things at your word. Answer me. O Lord, answer me, that these people may know that you, O Lord, are God, and that you have turned their hearts back. You see that? He's answering for the hearts of the people to be turned back to God. And then the fire of the Lord fell and consumed the burnt offering, and the wood, and the stone, and the dust, and just for kicks, licked up the water that was in the trench. And when all the people saw it, they fell on their faces and said, the Lord, he is God. The Lord, he is God. I, I, you know, I love it. The wood gets burnt up, but the stones? And then as the stones are pulverized, what's next? The dust? It's all gone. And there's a little bit of water hanging around after all that. And God takes care of it all. So Elijah sets up his prayer, and it's a mighty prayer. He doesn't do any dancing. He doesn't do any singing. He doesn't do any cutting. He just comes to God Almighty in confidence and asks God to do something that he knows God is possible of, but other people think is impossible. And God's fire falls and consumes everything. And I love it when it says the people fell on their face. When the fire of God falls down on us, when the fire of God falls down around them, there's no, what in the world was that? How did that happen? What we read here today is when the fire of God fell, they fell on their faces. And I believe when the manifest presence of Jesus Christ shows up, we will all have only one thing we can do. is fall on our faces and cry out, The Lord, He is God. God, we know You're present. God, You are great. And we glorify His name. And we do what we need to do. And I believe that when God shows up, we will be asked a question. Are you going to spend the rest of your life limping around the altar? Or are you going to be all in? And I think that's what God's saying to us. Are you going to limp around the altar? Or are you all in today? You know, most Sunday school classes, when they uh, present this story, this is where we stop. Because God did an amazing thing. Hallelujah, praise the Lord. It's all great. Things are done. But really the story isn't over until verse 40. And in verse 40 we read, And Elijah said to them, Seize the prophets of Baal. Let no one, not one of them escape. 
And they seized him, and Elijah brought them down to the brook Kishon and slaughtered them there. Elijah shows us that what we need to do is we need to make a decision. And when we make a decision that we're all in, we take the, the prophets of Baal down to the brook Kishron, and we slaughter them all. What we're being called to do is to make a decision to destroy all of the things that are keeping us from being all in. This is action that must be taken. In most cases like this, it's severe. And there are things that have to go. We have to cut off ties with things or pull away from stuff that's pulling us away from God. If we're going to be all in, there will be action that we'll have to take. There's only one God, and it's not me. The God of me, me, me must be put to death. Elijah called on God to answer on Mount Carmel, and he did that. Then we turn the scripture over to the New Testament, and we see that God answered our cry for forgiveness on Calvary's mountain. Christ was crucified for our sins, to bring us salvation. Jesus bled for us. And his blood is for us. And in his blood we are given power through his blood to stand against all the voices of the false gods around us. God and God alone. He is God. God is the only one that can bring us joy. God is the only one that can bring us fulfillment. God is the only one that can bring us satisfaction. And God is the only one that will truly care for all of our needs. Only a life sold out to God and His manifest presence will ever find full satisfaction. So the question for us today is, who will we serve? Jonathan, who will you serve? Will you serve yourself? Or will you serve God? Will you get rid of the things that are distracting you from God in your life on your day-to-day basis? Even if it means ripping down the television off the wall? That's kind of crazy. But if that's what God's asking, you better do it. Because he's got something great for you. I'm not saying God's saying that. I'm just, that's just an example. Are we all in today? Are we going to limp around the altar of Baal? Let's pray. Father God, we love you. We thank you for your love for us. We thank you that you are a God that calls out to us in love, asking us to be fully and totally committed to you. You're the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Israel. You are our God. And I pray, we pray this morning, that you would open our hearts, open our minds, heal our ears, heal our eyes, that we would see what you're calling us to today. 
God, give us strength to take the things that are keeping our attention from you, take them down to the, to the brook and destroy them. Destroy them once and for all so that when your rain and your blessing falls upon us, it washes it all away. Washes it all away. Jesus, we love you. Do the work that you have for us in our lives today. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Like always, the front of the sanctuary is open to anybody who would need prayer, if you need prayer for healing. If God's been speaking to you and there's something that you would like to someone else to pray with, need to make a decision to be all in today and the Lord's revealed something and you thought you were all in and the Lord's revealed something to you that you realize, yeah, I guess I'm hanging on to that. And I want God's blessing. I want to know the God who answers by fire. God's speaking to you today. That's why we're going to have elders who will come and they'll be ready to pray with you. We love you. We want to stand beside you.